And welcome to the very first edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Brown, and joining me on my very first show today will be none other than Zach Lacey and Mike Ayula. Fellas, how are we doing? Wonderful. Pleasure to be here on your first ever show. Let's kick it off right. Doing good, Ryan. Uh, Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Of course. So we have a bit of a big, big match, a pair of big matchups coming up this Friday on New Year's Day. I'm talking about the college football playoff. We got Alabama and Notre Dame, and we got Clemson, Ohio State. But before we get into those matchups, we got to talk about the season that was 2020. It was COVID-ridden, COVID-plagued. Do you boys have any takeaways from the 2020 college football season? Uh, I mean, it seems like for the most part, they did it right. Um, there wasn't too many big like outbreaks of COVID cases and stuff. Uh, big 10 was a little more in the PAC 12, both a little more conservative than uh, a lot of the other places, especially the SEC, which I mean, down South, they just don't really care about COVID at all. Uh, so, but other than that, I mean, it's been good football. I mean, offense is really ridden high. I think that does a lot to, with, uh, no like off season training and stuff with COVID, but the offenses were, the defenses were just a little step behind it seemed most of the year. Um, but yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited that college football was back. It was a nice change of pace to actually have real football. Mike. Yeah. Uh, I tend to agree with a lot of what Zach said there, um, you know, it, they definitely did handle it the right way. Uh, I think there were a few teams that did get affected by it more than others, Ohio state, namely who they did get into the playoff, but they had a couple of games canceled because of COVID. Um, some of the big 10 schools had those issues. Whereas like Zach said, the sec, they, they don't care on South. They just kind of go, go, go. They, they think it's all a hoax or whatever. So they just kind of said, all right, we're going to operate business as usual. Um, I think it was cool to see Notre Dame play in a conference. I think that was probably the one unique takeaway from this year is that it was nice to see them be in a competitive conference, actually have to play in a conference championship game, go through the same schedule that any other team would have to go through to get to this point instead of saying, oh, we're independent, we're better than everyone else. They actually had to operate like a normal college football team. And yeah, on the point of offense versus defense, I I generally agree with that, I think that offense has definitely benefited from defenses having a lack of preseason preparation and off-season training. So, uh, yeah, those, that, that's really my biggest takeaway. I would love to see Notre Dame stay in the ACC. It seems like for years, Clemson's had zero competition in that conference, and it's just been a joke. They just run through it. Everybody else stinks. And Notre Dame would actually Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, no, it, it definitely has. Ever since uh, Florida State basically went down the crapper after the Jameis Winston era, um, it's been Dabo Sweeney's world, and everyone else in the ACC has just been living in it. Notre Dame, at least they can put a competitive product on the field every year, and having Clemson play Notre Dame in the ACC championship game every year would be nice because it would at least legitimize Clemson as a real threat, kind of like it did this year. You kind of see how good they are, and it would also legitimize Notre Dame because they'd have an in-conference schedule, They'd be playing under the same regulations as every other mainstream team like they did this year. And I just think it would be better for the overall brand that is college football. 
play devil's advocate on Notre Dame's schedule, though, Mike. It's not like they schedule New Mexico State 10 times out of 12 weeks. They're playing your Stanford's, your Michigan State's, your Michigan's, your USC's. They are playing good schools, but yes, it, it, it is, it does feel like, I'll, I'll give you that it does feel a little bit more of legit to see them playing a conference schedule where you can compare it to other teams that are playing similar schedules. But to your point, Zach, my biggest takeaway was just the lack of suspense and drama with the games that were played by the teams at the top. You look at, the, at Bama, they ran the table and they won every single game by double digits except for the SEC championship game. They, nobody challenged them until Florida. Then you get Clemson. They won every single game with Trevor Lawrence by double digits. No, they had no issues except for the two games they've had to play without Lawrence. You go to Ohio State, they won all but one by double digits. And for Notre Dame, all but two of their games were decided by double digits. And maybe this is a thing that happens over, over and over again over the years, but it just felt like this year the teams at the top didn't get tested as much as they normally would. They weren't challenged as much as they normally would have. There weren't as many scares. And that just took a little bit away from me. But given the situation, the fact that we were able to get a college football season in during a global pandemic, I'm not going to complain about that, even though I literally did just complain. <laughs> um, so, but so we have Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame as the top four. Do you guys agree with the committee's choices one through four? Mike, we'll start with you. So if we're asking the question of did the four best teams get in? No. But did the four most deserving teams get in? I would say yes. I don't think Notre Dame is the fourth best team in the country, even though they went 10 and one. I think that shellacking that they took against Clemson last week kind of proved that they are still a step down from a lot of these big time teams, but they did have the 10 and one record. Um, if they were going on the four best, I think Florida showed last week that the fourth best team in the country, even though they're getting their behinds handed to them by Oklahoma right now, I got that game on in the background. Uh, I think that they're, they were clearly a better team. I mean, they hung with Alabama. Like you said, they're the only team that stayed within single digits of Alabama, but you can't lose to unranked LSU and expect to get into the college football playoff. That's not how it works. You have to run the table in those games. And at least, and then if you lose to Alabama by single digits, then you have an argument to make. You can't afford to lose that game and have a player throw a cleat 15 yards down the field and get a 15 yard penalty that sets up LSU for a game winning field goal. So I think the committee got it right because they didn't have a choice. Um, I wish that Florida had won that game against LSU because I think that would have added a lot more intrigue to the decision. But at the end of the day, they didn't, and the committee didn't really have much of a choice but to put Notre Dame in as the fourth team. Zach? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they didn't – yeah, like Mike said, they didn't have a choice. Uh, Florida losing that game to LSU is just – it's irresponsible. It was embarrassing. As a life, lifelong Florida fan, it hurt hurt even more. Mike twisted the knife in my back right after it happened. Um <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I, I don't think that they got the order right, though. I I would still put Notre Dame above Ohio State. Ohio State didn't prove anything to me all year. I don't know. Six games, 
they weren't convincing in anything other than Michigan State game. Michigan State stinks. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields looks like an average quarterback. That that's it, and they just didn't prove anything big time to me all year. Like the top two, or even Notre Dame did. Yeah. Uh, that shellacking Notre Dame took was it was rough, but I would lo- I would have loved to see the the trifecta, the rematch, whatever tiebreaker, Clemson Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think that the committee really had their hands tied for sure. Uh, and I think as much as it would have been nice to see a team like Cincinnati or Coastal Carolina get a shot, I think we all know that's just not realistic. And there was never even a thought in the committee's mind of giving a team like that a chance despite their undefeated records. Uh, but we'll get, we'll get more into that in just a moment. So... I know we talked about the best four teams getting in and whether the committee got it right. But that brings the question, does the four-team playoff work? It's been in existence for seven years now. Zach, do you think this is working or do changes need to be made to it? So I think it has worked up to this point. It's done its job job to prove that college football needs a playoff the playoff makes everything more intriguing more fun brings more eyeballs more money whatever than just regular bowl games i would like to see it go to eight teams because it gives a team like florida who messed up with the lsu game but showed that they're really a top 18 or top 14 ish a chance to prove themselves in a playoff scenario plus this game the cotton bowl right now no if you're not a diehard college football fan. I don't think you have it on. I don't think you care about it. If this is Florida versus Clemson and it's a playoff game, every a lot of more people are going to watch it. Plus it gives a team like Cincinnati and those non-Power 5 conference teams a shot at a real big game where they have big eyeballs on them and a chance for just a Cinderella run like you get in the college basketball stuff. You get these teams that aren't supposed to be there winning something, it just makes everything more enjoyable. So I do think they need to expand it. So I do agree with the first point that it has worked up to this point and it has added a lot of intrigue and revenue for the NCAA. I disagree on the point that it should be expanded. And I was actually reversed. I last year up until last season is when I thought that the college football playoff needed to be expanded. And then I watched the clear-cut fourth-best team in the country, Oklahoma, get stampeded by LSU in the first half, and that game was over right away. And I'm expecting the same thing to happen this year with Notre Dame and Alabama. I don't know how you can justify expanding from four to eight teams if the fourth-best team can't even keep up with the best team in the country. I have a hard time in my head processing – why you would want to expand a bunch more blowouts. It might work in the first year, but people are eventually going to catch on that, you know, it'll turn into like the first round of the NBA playoffs. You know who's going to win. And then the second round, you know who's going to win. That's what it'll be. Eventually the one seed will keep slapping the eight seed around and then they'll still slap the four seed around. I don't want to see them expand until we can truly get to a point where we consistently have four teams that are on a level playing field right now, Alabama and Clemson are a step above everyone else. Even Ohio state this year, like you said, Zach, Justin Fields has looked very average this year. 
So Clemson and Alabama are heads and shoulders above everyone else until we can get to the point where Ohio State and another team, whether that's Notre Dame, Florida, LSU, Texas A&M, even Auburn, is consistently putting up enough of a fight, then I don't think we should expand the playoff. It, it, it did work a few years ago where Ohio State won it as a four seed, but that's the only time I can remember them winning as a four seed. All the other times it's been, I'm pretty sure, the one or two seeds winning. So for now, I say stick to four. So I don't think the playoff works. And here's my, my thinking. How can this be deemed to be working when you send the same four teams basically every single year? And that's no fault to those four teams for being better than the rest. But to send four teams, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma, have accounted for almost 75% of the available spots that go to the playoff in its seven-year history. 20 of those 28 spots have gone to one of those four teams. And it, it just it just feels like this, the playoff was supposed to the, – the, the background to it was let's give more opportunities to more teams instead of just limiting it where the BCS was just the top two. And instead, you're just getting more of the same. If you add Notre Dame as a fifth team, then you're, you're looking at 80% of those spots have gone to five teams. The six other schools that have made it, that weren't the ones that I met, mentioned, those six schools have a combined four losses in those seasons. So basically, you have to be a power five school and run the table just to have a chance if your name is in Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, or even Notre Dame. And I just, I just don't like that. I, th I feel like this, I agree with Zach. I think this needs to be expanded because you're never going to get the answer to the age old question of does the, does that group of five Cinderella that ran the table have what it takes to take down the Goliath unless you give them that chance. And I don't believe giving them a new year six bowl that that another power five team that a two loss or three loss power five team is in that doesn't that doesn't cut it for me that's not a good enough example of oh they they were able to beat georgia or they got smacked around by whoever that that's not good enough for me so it's just when you see that the group of five has had an undefeated team in the top 20 of the final rankings for the past five years and yet the highest any of them have been is eight. I, I just feel like this, the system is rigged. It's rigged. I, I know that the precipice is to get the four best teams in here, but that's just another way of saying we're never going to give a Cinderella a shot. So if you want to see the best caliber football, they'll keep doing this. They'll keep it at four. But if you really want to spice things up, give a sh somebody, anyone, a chance for a Cinderella run or anything like that, you have to go to eight. Because four teams, it'll never happen. It will never happen. I mean, people remember Cinderella stuff. Like, you remember the uh, Dunk City teams from the college basketball games. Like, the Cinderella teams that don't aren't supposed to do anything. You don't remember – you don't really remember the three seed beating the two seed. Oh, what do you do? Ohio State, people – the four, one four seed to win. What do you do? But – it's just not – it's way bigger story if Cincinnati or Coastal 
Carolina comes in here and beats Bama in the first round. People are going to talk about that for years, like Virginia losing in the first round. You're never going to get that kind of story when it's Notre Dame playing Alabama in the first round every year. Mm-hmm. So, I agree with that. I do, I do agree with those points in general. My, my issue would be is, let's say hypothetically, they decide, all right, we're going to expand this. And Cincinnati gets in, they get the AC. So Cincinnati went undefeated this year, ran the table, had a great season in what was a wild year um, with COVID and everything else. But Cincinnati doesn't have a top 15 win all year. They do have three ranked wins, but every win was between 16 and 25 with their highest win being, I believe, exactly the 16th ranked team in the country at the time. Now you put that team in and they are the eighth seed in the playoff. They're playing the number one team in the country who's averaging 50 points per game. They haven't seen a team like this all year. On paper, that's going to be a blowout. Now, let's say they that things go according to how they should and they get blown out. Well, then that system doesn't work either of expansion, but how do you go back to the old system after that? You know, if, if, it, if it proves within one or two years that the system fails, then how do you go back to the old football when they're clearly going to generate more revenue, even though it's just going to be more blowouts? It won't be about who's deserving. It will be more about the NCAA making its revenue instead of putting the best product on the field. I just think you have to keep prioritizing the best product. I, I love Cinderella stories too. I, I love those Lob City teams. I remember Loyola Chicago and uh, what was the sister's name again? Sister Jean. Sister Jean, yeah. That, that was incredible. That was a great storyline. But at the end of the day, college football is not like college basketball. You can't hold a tournament like that and expect it all to work out, especially – I mean, they can have – you got to win six straight games to win that tournament. This you'd, you'd only have to win three, but still, those games could get ugly really quick and they would theoretically get ugly on paper. I love the idea of the experiment, but I just don't see how you don't turn it into a full-time thing and how that doesn't just get as ugly as this is right now. I think you got to stick with this and hope that one of these teams catches up to Alabama or Clemson before you try the expansion. Well, to argue that, Mike, if it's already ugly now between a one and four, why not? Why not now? If if not now for an 18 playoff, since it's already ugly enough with a one and four in your mind, why not try one versus eight and see if it's any different? Will it be any different? Maybe not. Probably not. But you'll never know unless you give start giving out a couple of chances here and there. If there was That's any year. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, if there's any year to just try it out, it would have been this year. You look around all different leagues and they're all added more playoff teams and stuff. This could have been the one year they're like, oh, we're just going to add eight just for because some teams can get to play enough and then we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So if they didn't do it this year, they're probably not going to do it for a while. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I mean, Major League Baseball did the same thing where they kind of expanded because of the wild year and that did turn out great for them. So theoretically, it could have turned out great. I'm just... I'm very skeptical because it, there's just such a gap between one and two and then three and four right now that I just have a hard time justifying putting it, putting five through eight in when I, I don't even know how you argue three and four. If anything, this year, I, I, I think it should have just been downsized because I don't think these games are going to be competitive. I think it should have just been like a BCS kind of year because clearly, I mean, there is a gap between Clemson and Ohio State and that's two and three. So I, I don't know. I'm... I'm on the opposite side, but I do see the argument for expansion. I just, I have a hard time justifying the logic in my head. Understood. Well, we'll put that to rest for now. Let's move on to the matchups in detail. So we'll start with Alabama 
taking on Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl. It's being played in AT&T Stadium in Dallas instead of the actual Rose Bowl in Pasadena or Pasadena uh, because the county will not allow fans whatsoever. And they're not even allowing games, I don't think. So they had to move it entirely. Uh, So this is going to be weird seeing the Rose Bowl played in Jerry's world. Uh, Alabama is a whopping 19 and a half point favorite currently with the over under being set at 65 and a half. Zach, I'll start with you. Uh, what is your impact player for this matchup? Or who is it? I mean, that's an easy one. It's, I mean, it's Devonta Smith. I mean, he's gonna, he's probably going to win the Heisman. He's just an absolute beast. And, He's just going to go off. I mean, Notre Dame, like Mike said, they're just not on that level. I mean, they're not – Alabama's a 19-half point favorite for a reason. Not just him. They got Jalen Waddell, Najee Smith. They got a great game manager. And Notre Dame is going to need Ian Book to run like crazy if they want to have a chance of winning this game. That's their X factor. Bama, I said Devon Smith, you can pick – anybody on their offense. I mean, they're all better than anybody on Notre Dame's team. So I don't see a way where this stays close. I, I just, I can't see it. Mike, what about you? Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of piggybacking off Zach's point. I, I, I saw a graphic on sports center last night and in their 11 games this year, Alabama's offense is averaging 49.7 points per game and 544 yards per game which is just an egregious number. Um, again, like he said, you can you can pick any any player on Bama's offense, and they're just an absolute monster. If Notre Dame is going to have a puncher's chance in this game, the impact player for them is Jeremiah Uusu-Koromoa, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, inside linebacker for them, future first-round pick, and probably an NFL starting linebacker on Sundays next year. Could, could be a good IDP, John. Might have to look out for him in our league. Um, <laughs> But uh, he's going to be the key because Najee Harris is just such a monster and so difficult to bring down. But he's second on their team in tackles. He could – if anybody's going to slow him down, it's going to be him because he's going to be responsible for him for the majority of the night, whether it's in those halfback dives, zone runs to the outside, or any dump-offs they throw to Harris. He'll likely be the guy in charge of slowing down Najee. So you got to pick your poison, and they don't have an answer for Devontae. So if they're going to slow down the other monster, he's going to be the guy who does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My impact player is Najee Harris, the the Bama running back. I think if he if the if the tie can establish a run game early and often, this game will get out of hand so quickly because of that vaunted passing attack that you guys have talked about, led by Devonta Smith and not just any game manager, Mac Jones, Heisman finalist, Mac Jones. But. Yeah. second in the the tie the crimson tie are second in the country in points per game they're fifth in total offense Uh, they've beaten the likes of a&m georgia auburn florida i mean that's easily the most impressive list of victories of anyone and now you come into this game if you if if you can get Najee harris going early and often that takes any pressure that might be on Mac Jones's shoulders. It opens up play action, and it could open the floodgates wide open. And 
I do agree with you, Zach. My X factor is Ian Book. It has to be because simply put, if, if for them, for the Irish to have any chance of keeping this competitive and make a game and even maybe win, he has to go off. And not just with his legs, his arm. He's got to have everything going for him. He's got to be able to throw. He's got to be able to, to run. He's got to have the defense guessing for the entirety of the game in the, so that they can at least get their own running game going themselves if the, if he can't if he has a poor game like he has in the past in big time moments you saw it in the ACC championship game he looked bad if you look you saw him against the Crimson Tide two years ago in a, in a semifinal game he looked awful if that happens again they have no chance yeah I mean and we talked a lot about Alabama's offense but their defense too man they're allowing like 19 points per game it's their defense every year is unreal. and But the only teams that have really been able to score a lot of points on them has been because through the air with a big-time quarterback. And so, like you said, Ryan, if Ian Book can't throw the ball to some of their guys, man, it could be a long day. But their best shot, I think, is if Mac Jones just absolutely shits the bed. Mm-hmm. He crumbles under the pressure, which, I mean, he hasn't been in this spot before, so we don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, he looked good in the SEC championship game, obviously, but the college football playoffs a whole other animal. So we can see if that's their best chance, I think, if he shifts the bed. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't even think that's their best chance. I think their best chance is if Najee Harris and Devontae Smith get hurt in the first quarter because I don't think they have a chance outside of that. I mean, Najee finished fifth in the Heisman vote, voting. He just didn't make the final four. So you look at it, that offense has three of the – top five Heisman finalist candidates. I don't know how you stop that. I mean, that's Mac is for a game manager. He's playing out of his mind, averaging, I believe over 11 yards per attempt this year. Najee. I mean, what he did to Florida last week was, I mean, that, that should be illegal in like half of this country. That was just <laughs> unbelievable. And, and then there's Devonte Smith who week in week out just puts on an absolute clinic. I mean, in that wide receiver room over the last few years, he was kind of the forgotten guy. Judy was this OBJ clone who could, you know, quick twitch running routes. Henry Ruggs was Tyree kill 2.0 with how fast he was getting downfield. Jalen Waddle was the, the really shifty inside guy who was just a playmaker. You just needed to get him the ball. Devontae Smith was the forgotten guy. Well, that's the guy who's busted Derek Stingley two years in a row. That's the guy who put up 1,500 receiving yards this year. That's the guy who is probably going to be the first Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver since Desmond Howard in the early 90s. I don't know how you stop that. I mean, Notre Dame is going to have to have a Florida-like performance on offense and hope they can get a couple of stops because I, I really – I just don't know how you have an answer for this team. They're they're just on a different level. Well, that, that leads me to my matchup to watch for, and that would be – Notre Dame's run game versus that vaunted Alabama defense, particularly the rush defense. If, if Notre Dame can slow the game down, have an effective run game, that'll ease it up things up for Ian book. And maybe that'll, that'll keep things closer and keep the fighting Irish within a, a shot with it, within breathing distance of Alabama. But if, if they can't get things going on offense, particularly on the, on the, on the ground. Yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys. This could get ugly quick. 
Yeah, I mean that run the run game for Notre Dame is really the best chance they have to cover the spread. <laughs> yeah, Kyron uh, Williams could be the difference between whether or not this is three touchdowns or two touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. So with that with that being said, uh, let's get to our picks for this matchup in terms of the spread and over under and straight up. I like Bama to cover the 19 and a half. Uh, I do think the under will hit though. Uh, I think Alabama will put up points, but I don't think Notre Dame's going to do enough on their part to hit the over here. So I, I think this will be Bama 45, Notre Dame 17, and the under will just barely hit. Ryan, uh, uh, that's really weird, man. Um, because uh, I got Bama 45-17. Whoa, man. Um, yeah, that's really good podcasting. We're debating well about that one. <laughs> but right. I, I just All see right. Bama putting up a crap ton of points, like you said, and I don't – like, give me the under. Notre Dame's not going to score enough. Mike, in your I Notre mean, Dame shirt, would you like to uh, argue? Yeah, I mean – I'll, I'll give Notre Dame their credit. I mean, defense only letting up 18.9 points per game. One of the best linebackers in the country in Owusu Koromoa. Like we were talking about, Kyron Williams is a fantastic running back. Ian Books had a phenomenal year at quarterback. 52-24 Alabama. Yeah, I, I this this Ooh. isn't going to be close. The, the only difference is, is I think the over is going to hit. I I don't think Bama's scoring under 50. I, I think they're going to go out and send a message like, like this is this is a practice for us. We're warming up for Clemson. Like they are going to go out, and I think Devonta has three. I think Najee has three, and I don't know if Waddle's playing or not because he's been hurt most of the year. There were rumors that he may be back, um, but if not, then it'll be like John Mechie who gets the other TD. Um, this is going to be ugly. I I mean, at, at halftime, you might want to find some Netflix to keep you entertained before the second game starts because. There's not going to be much football to watch. Podcast. Hype up the game. Don't tell them <laughs> the channel. Listen, listen. <laughs> Bryce Young was a five-star recruit. He's the quarterback at Alabama next year. He's probably going to get good playing time in the second half. That's something <laughs> oh, to watch. No. That's something to watch um, because it's not going to be competitive. I'm, I'm right. sorry. It's 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 going to be ugly. Let's 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 pray for all, all our fandom's sake that. Notre Dame can give these guys at least uh, at least a half, if not more, of a game. Uh, but let's turn our attention now to the two-three matchup. It is the Clemson Tigers taking on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Clemson is favored by seven and a half, and the over/under is sixty-six and a half. So, Mike, I'll start with you. Who? Is what is your what are you looking for in the Sugar Bowl here? I am looking for Justin Fields to play on the same level as Trevor Lawrence. Coming into the year, he was widely regarded as the number two quarterback prospect in the draft. Coming out of high school, he was the number two quarterback prospect to Lawrence. They've been linked together forever, and this is the second straight year they are playing in a college football playoff semifinal. Like Zach said earlier, he has not looked up to standard this year. He needs to step up to the plate and play on the same level as Trevor Lawrence. He's got two good receivers in Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Trey Sermon broke out last week in the running game. Fields can use his legs really well. He has to play on the same level 
as the golden boy or they are not going to be able to compete. He has to play like the guy that he was last year. If he does that, this could be a really interesting game and keep us entertained throughout the night. If he does not do that, this could get as ugly as the one and four game that we or how ugly we think that is going to get. So would you say he's your X factor for the game, Mike? Or impact player? I would, I would say on the offensive side of the ball for Ohio State, he is my impact player of the game. Yeah, it, it really comes down to him. It, it's the impact players on offense for both teams, the quarterbacks. It's Fields and Lawrence. They are the, they are the difference makers. Zach, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, both I mean, quarterbacks are always a big part of it. But uh, Trey Sermon, running back for Ohio State last week, going putting up 331 in the Big, big Ten Championship game. That's nuts. And then Master Teague, too. He's a stud little sophomore running back there, too. He's going to be very good for a couple more years. Those two guys, if they can get it going early and keep Trevor Lawrence off the field, then Ohio State's got a chance. If the running game's not going, I don't. Justin Fields just hasn't looked good throwing the ball at all. Mm-hmm. He's just throwing picks left and right, man. I don't know what is going on with him. But if they can get the run game going, that'll make this game much, much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, so this is a matchup where you've got the Golden Boy, as Mike framed him as Trevor Lawrence the Heisman finalist, along with his tag team par- partner, Travis Etienne, the running back. They're leading the Tigers. They've been unstoppable. And now they go into this rematch from last year in the se- in a semifinal matchup against Justin Fields and Ohio State. Last year, Clemson got the better of the Buckeyes, 29-23. They, they were down. The Tigers were down 16 nothing last year. Came all the way back to win that game. Fields had a couple of picks late in the game that helped seal the comeback. And he, and Fields did not look good last, uh, in the Big Ten Championship either. I know that they ran wild, so he didn't need to do much. But he only threw for 114, and he had two picks again. So he, he showed the turnover bug. And for me, he's my impact player because he has to have a stellar performance like he did last year for the most part in that matchup with Clemson. He threw for over 300 yards and a touchdown. The turnovers at the end kind of soiled it for him. But if he can have another game and cut that like that and cut down on the turnovers, he's going to give the Buckeyes a fighting chance in this one. I think this is definitely a game that could be close. And I absolutely agree, Zach. Trey Sermon is going to have to play a huge role. He's my X factor. After what he did last week in that Big Ten championship game, he doesn't have to do that exactly again. But if he can go off for 150 and get and the Buckeyes run for close to 200 yards, that'll ease up. Just like we were talking about with Notre Dame and Ian Book, that'll ease up the load and the, take off the pressure on Justin Fields to have to throw and sling it out all across the field. And if they can do that, they've got a good shot to win the game. I mean, Clemson's a I mean, very, very, very good team. They lost a bunch of pieces on defense, and they still look amazing. I mean, one game they lost, Lawrence didn't play. Mm-hmm. And they still took Notre Dame to overtime without the best quarterback in the country. Like, how how is that possible? That yeah. should have been a blowout. Like, that that just proves how good the rest of their team is. And Lawrence doesn't have to play good in this game, and they're probably going to win easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that general point. I mean, they're, they're one loss this year. They had a, a freshman with 
his only experience being the game the week before, and they went into the number four team in the country at the time, and they took them to overtime and, and kept that game close the whole way through. That shows they're going to be just fine without Lawrence next year, and he just takes them to a different level right now. I mean, they they lost T. Higgins to the NFL. They lost their other big wide receiver. His name's eluding me right now to a neck injury, uh, similar to what Mike Williams had at Clemson a few years back. But Amari Rogers has stepped up in a big role for them this year, turned into Lawrence's true number one target. ETN is – he's not quite Najee Harris, but he plays a similar role in that offense for them. He's just kind of a do-it-all back, kind of an Alvin Kamara-style player where he's just great running out of the backfield, chippy as hell, can catch passes at will. I mean, their offense is almost as unstoppable as Alabama's. I just – they, they shouldn't have much of a rough time winning this game. And and defensively, guys like K.J. Henry leading the charge, one of the better pass rushers in the country, Darion Kendrick, one of the more favorable corners in college football, someone who scouts are getting higher and higher on, uh, viewed as a day one guy in the coming draft in April. And Balen Spector, their, their main linebacker, who has turned into a huge leader on that team. So they shouldn't have much of an issue on Friday night. Dude, it feels like ETN has been there for 25 years. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's getting that, like, that Perry Ellis at Kansas kind of yeah. treatment. Like, it's it's like you have – you've been there since I was in the eighth grade. Like, I, it was 2012 <laughs> and Travis ETN was a freshman at Clemson. Like, that's that's what it feels like. <laughs> now, if, if the Buckeyes are going to keep it close, they're going to need to stop, obviously – they can't. They they gotta at least try to contain Trevor Lawrence through the air, and I don't know if they're gonna be capable of doing that. That Buckeyes secondary is ranked last in the Big Ten in pass defense, so that is a glaring weakness that Trevor Lawrence, ETN, and and the other wide receivers that you've mentioned. Oh well, those are pass receivers, but current receivers can expose uh, in this matchup. I, I'm sure they'll have no issue doing that and they'll find weaknesses in matchups that they want to expose. But if the Buckeyes are able to mask that somehow, I, I'm, maybe I'm just playing devil advocate here, but I really think they can keep this close. So let's go into the picks. Zach, we'll start with you. What, what, what do you like for the spread? What do you like for the over-under? Uh, I think Ohio State keeps it close. In the first half, they get the running game going a little bit, but the second half, Clemson's just going to pull away. Uh, I got Clemson 42-27. Give me the over. Give me the give me the points in Clemson. Mike? So, I think it'll be relatively competitive throughout, but I do think Clemson's going to have a stronghold on the game. I think Ohio State is a little bit better than Notre Dame. Uh, Clemson a little bit worse than Alabama, but not by much. Uh, I like Clemson 38-24 in this one. Um, I believe that is hitting the under because you mm-hmm. said 66 and a half. Yes. Yeah, so that's – they're going to hit the under. Um, Fields will play well but not good enough. Lawrence will play out of his mind, and Clemson will handle their business and get to the final. Before I give mine, here's an interesting tidbit that I found today. In all five of Clemson's CFP semifinal matchups, the under hit every single and for that wow. reason, wow. I am absolutely taking the under here. But <laughs> give me Ohio State to cover. I think this is going to be a sneaky close game. I really think Ohio State can 
can keep up with with Clemson in this one because especially after the, the choke job that they did last year, they're going to be out to prove that that was a fluke. And that especially if you want to go even further back, they, this is the, their third matchup in CFP history. The first one was back in 2017, I believe, and Clemson spanked them 31 nothing. So Ohio State is going to be out for blood in this one. And I think Clemson will win, but I think Ohio State covers – I think Clemson wins 33-30. Give me the under. I mean, I, w- I will give it to you. If if the under hits, I think that that is Ohio State's best chance to win this game. Slowing the game down with the run game, just mm-hmm. keeping Trevor Lawrence off the field, that is your best – that's their best chance to win this game and cover the spread. Mm-hmm. Definitely. If, if, if they can get into a situation where they can utilize Fields' legs as well as Sermons and Teagues, they're going to be in a much better position to win this game. If this turns into a shootout where you're going toe-to-toe with the number one pick in the upcoming NFL draft, it's going to get out of hand quick because Fields is a good quarterback, but he can't keep up with Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to our conclusion. We've got, I believe, pretty sure we've all got Alabama Clemson in the championship. No shockers there. I'm not going to ask for a score. You can give one if you want. But, Zach, I'll start with you. Bama, Clemson, if that is the final, who who takes the crown? Uh, oh, it's Bama. And they're, they're just – they're so much better than everyone else. They're, there was definitely a top two, but there's definitely a top one, and that's Alabama. Um, I think if this spreads anywhere in the single digits, give me Bama. If it gets in double digits, take Clemson. But uh, I just don't see a way that this Alabama team loses to anybody. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it was a, one of the bad NFL teams. They might still win that game. Mike? Uh, yeah, I mean, you score 50 points per game and put up 544 yards per game. You might need an NFL defense to stop this team. This this might be the second best offense or one of the top three offenses I've seen in the last 10 years rivaled up there with Ohio state's 2015 offense that had Ezekiel Elliott and Michael Thomas in it. And last year's LSU offense, that was basically an NFL offense. I mean, it, it can just go toe to toe with any of those offenses and it just puts up points at will week in week. They don't lose. Saban's going to be out for blood this year after not making the playoff last year. It's Bama or bust. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, baby. So if this were the championship matchup this year, it would be the fifth time in in the the seven years of the college football playoff that these two teams have played each other in the playoff, which is just mind-boggling that it's just been these two teams over and over and over again. It's, it's a rivalry. That's it, all really? it is. And it's a rivalry because they've split the four previous matchups and they've alternated wins. Bama won the first one, then Clemson, then Bama won in their only semifinal matchup. And then in their most recent matchup, Clemson annihilated Bama in the championship game two years ago. So for that reason, I agree with Saban and the tie being up for blood, Mike. There, I just can't see how Bama doesn't 
go through with it. And I hate to, I hate to agree with you guys here. I wanted to embrace debate, but I just, I can't do it. I picked Clemson last year to beat LSU. I said that, that Joe Burrow wasn't going to be ready for the moment. And boy, was that a <laughs> bad, bad take. <laughs> I will not make the same mistake with Mac, Mac Jones. He is, he is maybe unproven in the big moments, but damn it. If I'm not saying Mac Jones is Joe Burrow by any stretch of the imagination, but I will not be fooled by an unproven quarterback leading one of the best offenses in the country again. Bama will win the national championships this year. Mark it down. I mean, if, if, the, if there's one devil's advocate take on it, it's that Clemson also might be out for blood considering that they have a guy who, as a starting quarterback, has lost once in his entire college career, and it was in the national title last year. So he clearly doesn't want to go out as a second-place team again and end his college career that way. He would definitely like to end it with two Fair titles, point. and he will likely be out for blood. But, I mean, I, again, they don't have the weapons. Like, ETN's not Najee. Mario Rogers is not Devontae Smith. Lawrence is better, but a quarterback's only as good as his weapons at the end of the day. I mean, and he does not have the weapons that Mac Jones has. So that puts him at a huge disadvantage right away. And that's why Alabama puts up 50 every game. Trevor Lawrence also going to be a bust in the NFL. So. Ooh, we'll save that. That is a topic for another day, my yeah. friend. That is a yeah, topic. that sounds like. That sounds like me in 2012 saying Anthony Davis was going to be a bust in the NBA. So, uh, oh, brother! All righty. Well, that that just about does it here for the inaugural edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. My name is Ryan Brown, and I was joined by Zach Lacey and Mike Ayula. Want to thank you guys for being on this week. I appreciate it. And next week we'll be on maybe to talk a little about this. We'll see you next week.